0: And I think someone that could back that up with better stats and better numbers is now joining us on the West Her Hotline, expected Buffaloes, Anthony Scandra. Anthony was already on GR earlier this week, and I was like, I need more of my numbers and my stats because I'm dumb, smooth brain, and I need more numbers and I need better numbers. So we've got Anthony on to help better explain what is up with Buffalo's start right now as Anthony joins us this morning. Anthony, what's up, buddy?
1: How you doing, man? Good to be on again.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, Hey, we already enjoy having you on so much that I couldn't wait three days to get you back.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Glad to be back.
0: And speaking of glad to be back, hockey has been back, and the Sabres are looking a lot better than their usual, which for the past 10 years is a very low bar, but I digress. Hmm. So, Anthony, last night they didn't get the win, but they looked like a team that should not have lost by three goals.
1: Yeah, that is definitely an accurate assessment, right? And um, if you want to look at it from an even strength standpoint, uh, the Sabres had over 61%, almost 62% of the expected goal rate, right? So the only line from Boston that was really kind of dominating play while they were on the ice was the Bergeron line and you know that's not a surprise they they do that to everybody they might be the best line in the league so to that extent it wasn't really a shock or or a disappointment to see that line kind of take over you know a, a competent but kind of you know low on talent Sabres team um but other than that the Sabres look great uh you know it was they, they could have done a little more on special teams I think they had um what was it, four or five chances last night? I wish they would have maybe converted on one of those. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough, though. You, you were facing a goalie who was feeling it and Lena Salmark. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, things break down that way. But, yeah, they definitely didn't look out of place, as you said. And, and to your point, it definitely didn't look like a game where uh, they should have been down by three goals at, at any point, really. Uh, I, I think the thing that really, um, I guess, inspired me the most or, or made me feel the most confident is, Going into that third period down three nothing, you would see under Ralph Kruger and, and probably years before that, going back to Housley and, and Rolston, whoever you want, Balsma, Sabres teams don't come out for that third period if they're down three nothing. They kinda of plod along, they go through the motions, they look tired, they look defeated. That team thought they could win last night, and that was great to see. And, and you know, then, then you get an opportunity where Olsen scores, and now now you're on the power play, and you've got the goalie pulled, and you got two men extra on there, and, and, oh, my gosh, it's a game. Like, we might be able to do this, right? So I think that was the my biggest takeaway from last night is they still felt they could win that game, and, and they knew they were in it the whole time.
0: So, Anthony, the other big thing about this is that usually this team causes – a lot of fights among the fan base with, and this is where you and Chad Deminisis really help kind of bring things along and try to get fans into a different era of how to watch hockey and analyze it. Um, there's oftentimes the fight between the eye test and the analytics, but this team right now is kind of, it, again, it's only four games in, but you look at what they were doing in the last half of the season under Donnie Meatballs and how they managed to look not only more competent, but have the puck and possess the puck far more. That analytically and with the eye test, they're seemingly meshing a lot more under Don Granado.
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, well, well, you know, to your initial point, right? I, I think the main thing that people need to understand, who, who maybe aren't familiar with analytics, is it's not averse to the eye test. Quite opposite, actually. It, it's supposed to work in conjunction with it, right? Nobody believes that you can look at a spreadsheet and know what happened exactly in a game, right? You need you need to pair them together. They're, it's not a mutually exclusive thing, and and we say that a lot uh, on the Expected Buffalo podcast. Both Chad and I, we, we try to make that point clear that it's not anti-watch the game, but it it, it adds another useful and and helpful tool uh, to to your the viewing experience and, and the the process of analyzing play and analyzing impact. So, you know, we we don't want to. We try to. Steer away from the narrative that those things are separate because they're really not. Um, in terms of Don Granado's teams, man. Uh, so, it, and I, I mentioned it uh, when I was on earlier this week with Brayton. It, it was interesting to close out last year. There was a kind of immediate uptick in offensive competency when Granado took over, right? And it was because he was running a more high event, fast break approach. To go along with that, uh, defensively the metrics took a big hit, and probably a bigger hit than they were earning on offense. So. What's interesting to see about this year's Sabres team is that they're one of the most defensively competent teams in the league. Granted, it's four games, but in this very small sample, they've done a great job of extinguishing chances against. And, and you know, I think a lot of that has to do with getting rid of, or not getting rid of, I should say, trading Rasmus for Stalainen. That's a big deal. I'll say getting uh, rid of. Getting rid of, sure, but, but at least they got something else. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, losing him a, a, as part of, you know, that group is a big deal because he was hurting them in that regard um, for years, honestly. And, and when he's eating up 25, 26 minutes a night, it just furthers that detriment. So um, and then adding just quietly competent players, right? Like Mark Pezik. And, and even though he had a bad year last year, Will Butcher had his first two years, he was a very good analytics player and he's kind of regaining that alongside Darlene. I actually think he looks better next to Darlene than Yoki Haru did. So it'll be interesting when Yoki Haru comes back how uh, Don Granado kind of revamps his, his pairings there because I think it'd be tough to take Butcher out at this point. But again, four games, it's a very small sample. We'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, to your point, too, I, I think that he's doing a better job of balancing his forward lines where it, it's not he's not front-loading, right? He, it's kind of three really ba- – there's no real top line. It's three balanced lines and then your defensive group of – uh, Egan, well now John Hayden because Egan's out, but uh, Gergensen's and Oposo. And and they're doing a great job as well because Gergensen's and Oposo have a history of being really defensively competent forwards uh, you know, in that deployment setup. So I think he's just got a better idea of the actual talent and actual skill sets he has in front of him, and he's got a better idea of how to uh, optimize them.
0: Anthony Scandra of Expected Buffalo joining us here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Uh one of the things I really wanted to bring up, you had mentioned it already, is the defensive pairs and how they've been deployed. The minutes mm-hmm. are relatively even throughout the top six on that group, as well as Yoki Haru after he was injured. And Yoki Haru, with the average time on ice, he played one game, he got close to 17 minutes. But 21 2140, Miller, 2118. But the lowest is Pesic at 17.52. It's not like they're really burdening any one pairing with this, which you mentioned with the usage of Ristolainen in years past, which was 25 minutes a night. Go out there and do it, kid. Uh, No, it's pretty much they're balancing this group of defenders to make sure that they're all more confident, more comfortable, and they're all fresh throughout the evenings.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and what you're seeing is that all three of those groups they they've almost got a niche, right, where uh the Pezik and Hag duo, they've only been deployed in the offensive zone to start, you know, their shift 20% of the time this year, which is crazy low for a defensive pairing. And then you've got Miller and Bryson who are a little more balanced at 58%, and then Butcher and Dallein who have been uh more offensively tilted at around just under 77%. So you're seeing he he has a strategy or he has a a plan in place of how he wants to use and deploy those pairings and it, it's me, it's meshing with their skill set excuse me and you've got you know three groups right now I mean two of those defensive pairings are over a 68 percent expected goal rate and the, the third one is is you know around 54 percent so they're all performing really competently and you know credit to him again for and, and credit to Kevin Adams for adding you know analytics background players guys he felt he could you know leverage those skill sets and balance and credit to granado for implementing it so you know you, you've got guys with kind of different proclivities in, in that defensive group and and granado just knows where to put them and you know when to put them in situations to succeed
0: anthony the other thing that you're looking at here though all throughout this team is it's a little bit of balance with this group and victor Olsen- tage thompson they're kind of your guys that have been doing the goal scoring poor dylan cousins i yeah <laughs> man last night was a uh was a highlight for the unfortunate luck that the kid has been having here and it's just kind of been a microcosm to his season still so, so far he only has two assists on the year and those are his only two points uh but dylan cousins has been playing far better than his point production is showing
1: Oh for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's he could very well be the Sabres' best offensive play driver through four games. But like you said, and I'd struggle to call it snake bit just because of how early it is, but he's snake bit. I mean, he he's he's really doing a nice job of getting into scoring position. He's had some really prime chances and, you know, the the back of Lena's Allmark skate yesterday robbed him of uh, of another one, right? So, um, yeah, as you said, he he's doing a a really nice job of getting into scoring position. Uh he, he's I wish he, one thing about him, and this is not a knock on him, so to speak, I I do wish he was a little bit quicker because it seems like there are times when he's trying to catch up with his linemates a little bit. But that being said, he's putting himself in just outstanding positions on the ice. um, And yeah, his expected goal rate is way up from where it was last year. I think we're seeing a natural progress, and when that first uh, goal does come in, I think the floodgates are going to open a little bit for him because it's almost like the Jeff Skinner thing that he's been dealing with for two years where he's just in prime shooting position all the time, and he's just not burying it. But fortunately for Cousins, he's very young, and, and that's not a sign or a trend or anything. It's just something that's happening right now, and it should break free, and, and you'll, you'll see those goals come for him.
0: And that was exactly the next name I wanted to bring up was one Jeff Skinner. Uh, famously in the doghouse under the last coach, and I hope he steps on a Lego every morning. But <laughs> Skinner, already three points in four games. He's already back up to close to 17 minutes per game. He's getting his ice time he, because Granado seems to know that talent plays, and it can <clears throat> succeed, especially having a veteran scorer for this young group has been important for the start of this season.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, Jeff Skinner should be playing. He's he's one of the best offensive play drivers on the team, and he, he was last year, to be quite honest. But, the, you know, and, and I talked about it a little bit with Brayton earlier in the week, too. The, the problem with a Jeff Skinner is he, he's great at all those things, and nothing about him in that regard, right, of what he does prior to the shot, let's say, has changed, right? He, he's equally impactful across the board in terms of, you know, expected goals, being in good shooting position, high danger chances, all of those things, nothing's really jumped out at you as this is a problem, except his finishing ability. It has fallen off a cliff since you know since he signed that contract, honestly. And you know, it's not anything he's necessarily doing wrong prior to the shot. It's just they're not going in for him, and and it's it's kind of declined every year. Uh, his, his rate of um, his Fenwick rate, meaning you know his his unblocked shots for and the, the conversion off of Fenwick. It's going down, and that's a problem. So, again, you, you hesitate to say he can't get that back because random stuff happens, and hockey's a weird sport. But you're going on two years of just a really low shot conversion rate for him, which is not what he's accustomed to in his career, and it's a concern. And, again, you pay Jeff Skinner $9 million to score goals, and you know all the other offensive impact stuff is nice, but he, he's got to score goals, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough. But then you see that backhand that he just roofed a couple of games ago against mm-hmm. Vancouver, and you just go, there it is. There's that finishing touch that you need, and there's that guy with the, with the $9 million smile uh, to go along You're with right. it. So it's good to see Skinner getting the minutes again, getting the chances, and you just have to hope that, again, that shot percentage and those High danger chances they can finally be converted again. He's only at 7.7% shooting again already this season. And of course, though, the leading forward for scoring for this Sabres team is exactly who everyone predicted it would be uh, Zemgus Gergensen's. <laughs> you mentioned that line, though, already of Gergensen's, Oposo, and then Eakin slash, uh, I'm sorry, it was uh, Hayden. And they, early on, especially, Oposo has looked like one of the best players on this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, Oposo and Gergensens have have done a great job, especially through the first three games of uh, flipping the ice. You know, they, they get a very high rate of defensive zone deployment, and they're doing probably better than any other four, definitely better than any other forward group at uh, preventing chances against. So, not only are they starting in the defensive zone and, and competently, uh, you know, transitioning out, they're maintaining pressure once they flip the ice and. They're a really aggressive forechecking line. Um, they're, they're, uh, none of them have really an elite skill set anywhere, but all of them are, are very good at, you know, just winning those physical battles and I, I guess just puck retrieval in general at either end of the ice. So um, credit to them. They, they look great. Oposo looks 26 years old for some reason, and, you know, hopefully that lasts because that's a much more fun Kyle Oposo to watch. And then just all the credit in the world to him. You know, he, he missed an entire year last season and he's come back like nothing happened. And he's the same player, better. Maybe. He looks better even. So again, four games. We, I want to, you know, just kind of temper what we've seen early on, but it's encouraging for sure.
0: It's encouraging for sure. And now we go to the next step of this conversation, Anthony, which is what do we still expect from this team? Yes. It's been a hot start. Yes. It's only been four games. Um, fans do still need to be tempered at the fact that there is no high-end talent because that was the thing that did them in last night. Boston's top line, as you'd mentioned, does this to everyone. The Sabres don't have that this year. And this is the first time that you actually can see like they don't have that top-end elite scoring talent. I mean, you have Rasmus Dahlin, who is an elite talent, but the rest of it is guys that are still developing, just entering it, or really a a bunch of guys that are just picked up off the waivers or off a free agency. They're... They're guys that are going to be having you temper your expectations, but through the first four games and from what you've seen from Granado already, is there a lot more hope going into this that maybe they just mess around and don't go finishing and last like everyone saw?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I I don't – so I was a little more – Chad and I both, it's funny, every year when we do our predictions, we're kind of called, you know, scrooges. For how low we have them, uh, especially after they signed Taylor Hall, we were the bearers of bad news that didn't mean as much as people maybe thought it did. Uh, but this year, we were we were both a little more on the optimistic end. We we're both, I think, in the low seventies for, for point projection, and I don't think either of us had them finishing last. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's going better than even we projected on the more optimistic end. And if if that you know maintains that holds up, yeah, you could be looking at a team that you know, probably finishes around where the Balesma era teams finished low 80s. They they could sneak up in, into that realm. Right. I, I think talking playoffs is silly still. And let's let's see some more games. And there, there's a lot of things missing on this team. But uh, I think it was CJ Totoro on Twitter who who said this, uh, he, he covers the devils. He said, uh, it's amazing what a group of relatively unknown hockey players can do when they're not burdened by Rasmus uh, Ristolainen for 25 minutes a night. So, you know, again, it's the addition by subtraction thing, and, and other people on Twitter have been bringing up, you know, imagine this team minus and plus Eichel and Reinhardt, what they'd look like. It's like. Yeah, they'd probably be pretty good. So, uh, again, I think it, it boils down to system. It boils down to the front office really targeting guys with analytics histories or, or guys they felt that they can maybe uh, refurbish a little bit in, in Granado's system. I mean, Robert Hagg a great example. He's looked very, very competent through four games, and last year he he actually had decent metrics but for the four years of his career before that i mean he was a brutal analytics player and so they're putting him in a position to succeed they're kind of facilitating his skill set a little bit with how they use him and yeah it's going really well so could they surpass expectations absolutely and i i I anticipate they will
0: yeah and anthony i i do want to throw one last little curveball here before the end of the segment and it's this it's the former Sabers, uh, guys that you know you saw go away after this year, and uh, a couple of them have looked brutal as they did here. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. Ristolainen, and already he had been on the ice for two brutal goals against for Philadelphia in his first game against, well, it was Boston. Uh, That one dump-in where it causes Taylor Hall to go on a breakaway, then he loses Marshawn next to the net, and you just go ahead and you get flashbacks to the Rasmus Ristolainen that we were so used to here. And then the Mm -hmm. other one that you look at, uh, the team that a lot of of analysts paired with Buffalo is Arizona, and oh my God, what is up with Carter Hutton? (laughs) Oh, man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think I think everybody knew on Hutton a little bit. Yeah, right? I mean they, he was he was real bad last year, and you know a team like Arizona, who man, if they're if they're not to the same level, let's say of of the Tank sabers from fourteen fifteen in terms of brazenly trying to lose, they're <laughs> darn close to it. Uh, and Carter Hutton's a, a great kind of. Um, a covert goalie to do that with like look he's got a history of success but also we know he's terrible now so he's our starter and you know his backup Bill Mocker, is very clearly outplaying him uh, so we'll see what happens there but yeah he's had a rough go of it and on wrist the line and it was funny I was kind of stalking Flyers Twitter for for that first game he was in just to see kind of what their narrative was and you had a mix of like what is this guy doing and also the same kind of uh, process of acceptance that, that Sabres <laughs> fans went through with him, where the the Flyers fans are in a really early stage right now, where it's like, yeah, but he, hit, he made that hit, and it really changed the momentum. It's like, ooh, like, yeah, uh, you're going to see that that's not the case. He made that hit, and then what you didn't see is he <laughs> lost his man because he made the hit, and you know, at that first goal on the breakaway, he made a bad shift change, and then on the second one, he lost the puck completely in front of the net and got caught watching. So, you know it, again, you, you don't you, you don't want the guy to do poorly. You're, we're not rooting against Erasmus the line here he was a good soldier. He, he you know never really uh, spoke badly of the organization when he was here and he was here for one of the probably the worst era in franchise history, maybe yep. NHL history for a given team. So you know uh, you don't you know you're not rooting against him necessarily, but to see it's a little bit affirming to see the same things happening for a different organization. Where that was the big thing with Risto Line, and where people, you know, the, the kind of last stand uh, the Risto defenders had was, well, it's because of this team. He's been on a bad team his whole career. Mm, okay, let's see him on a better one, you know. And and we'll see what happens. Again, I think he's only played one game right for them, or maybe two. But you know, again, it's early. But I, I think the, the only guy I'm really confident is going to keep struggling is Hutton, because man, just the last three years have been. A train wreck for
0: him, and and this year he's even putting that to shame. He in two in he less really than is. less than two games uh, for all the listeners out there. Less than two games, he's already given up fourteen goals on uh, on forty seven shots, which is good for a seven oh two save percentage. And Zach is mm. looking at me on the other side of the glass and just has a stunned face on there. And yeah, no, it is it has been unfortunate there. So and like you said, you don't want to see these guys doing bad because you know the fact that they tried and you give them credit for it, but. It's yeah, the just. Effort
1: was never the yeah. question with those guys. You it's know what just I mean? unfortunate. Same with, same with guys like Bogosian, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was never an effort thing. They never, you know, that was never the narrative. It was just they weren't playing well.
0: Yep. And that's unfortunately how it goes. But you know what else goes is that the Sabres, they have a go at it tonight against New Jersey. And Anthony, I want you to give the listeners uh, the info on where to follow you, where to hear your stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at expectedbyant. Um, obviously, all my articles and the podcast stuff is right at expectedbuffalo, which is just expectedbuffalo.com, and Chad and I are very excited. You know, we, we launched that site last year in the middle of the pandemic with no hockey going on, and it was a risky proposition, but we're thrilled with how it's taken off, and uh, we appreciate everyone's support and who, who listens to the pod and, and reads our work.
0: Hey, and uh, it's always nice to have more opinions with this team especially with how uh how sometimes this fan base can be uh, a little bit more than apathetic so yes getting some fresh blood and uh and different outlooks on them and using the numbers in a way that some fans uh, myself admittedly uh, i don't fully understand them but we've got you we've got chad to help the dummies like me along and like you said it supplements it supplements what you watch
1: yeah, I'll tell you this real quick. Eddie Tabone, who's one of our writers over there, he he has a great job, um series at our site called Expected Learning where he dives into all the more commonly used uh, analytics terms that you hear and he explains what goes into them, how those, you know, figures are are created and uh, you know, all the ingredients that go into the numbers. So if anyone's really interested in, in learning about it more, Eddie does probably the best job on the internet that I've seen of explaining those concepts.
0: And there we go. Anthony They play tonight. I'll see you up on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Sounds great, man.